I pray he's the king of your heart today. A lot of things are jockeying for number one position. As you remember, last week, Brother BJ preached on um, the four D's, you know. And if you remember what they are, desire, direction, determination. What was the other one? You may remember? Devotion, right? I'll just give it to you. I'll call it Freebie Sunday. Just going to give it to you today. You know, um, that's exactly what we're talking about today. If anything, we can start the year off right by making God the hub of our life. And when he's the hub, he's the heart. And I don't know about you, but I'm getting sick and tired of being sick and tired. Amen? I'm tired of being um, uh, quarantined. I'm tired of being subjugated to a corner of my life and not being able to let him be the king of all of it. But there again, he is the king of all of it, even in the midst of the storm. Even though I sometimes feel like I'm in my own lion's den, like Daniel, I know he can shut the mouths of those lions, amen? Even though I feel like I'm in the, in the jail cell next to Paul and Silas at the time, I can't even compare to be with them, and yet I get to sing a new song in my heart, in my life, in my, the joy of each and every step of of our walk with God, that we get to not live in fear, but in faith. And we may be in a culture of fear today, but we do not have to live there. We don't have to stay there. We may have to be in Sodom, but we don't have to let Sodom come within us. We don't have to change and become something that we're not, because we are ambassadors of a place that's far above this place. Amen? First, in 2 Corinthians 5.20, it says that we are ambassadors for Christ. And when we are ambassador for Christ, we represent our homeland. This is not our home. We're just a passing through. Amen? Um, you know, I, I've been, we've been working with this uh, Crestview logo for a while, and I thought I would talk about it for just a second here, because at the very bottom, you can't see it very well here, but it says, believe, belong, or believe, uh, I'm sorry, behold, believe, belong, and become. And I wanted to break that down for you, what that really meant, because I think it serves well into our service today, because I've quizzed a few people on what, what our logo was. Some people didn't even know what the logo was. And, um, but this is on a lot of every, everything that we, we publish out into the world around us this past couple years. And so I'm celebrating two years here at Crestview, if you can believe it. Two years coming up uh, middle of this month. And so I look back at the past two years, and I want to go to a lot of stuff. But at the same time, God is blessed. Even in the midst of our stress, God is still blessing. Amen. We've gotten new families here. The Alversons have joined. Praise God. They're here today. Praise the Lord. We, we've, got, we've got our Genesis and his family are here. We've got uh, Jesse and his wife um, are coming, and we just we praise them for for being part of our church and visiting, but we pray for their membership to come soon. But you know what? That's what it's about. It's about a little bit here and there. And, you know, if, if God overwhelmed us with thousands of people coming to church, we wouldn't know how to handle ourselves. But we can't handle the few who come. And so we're thankful for that. And so that's why I say behold. We're calling people to behold God here in this place. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. That's what behold really is. And then to believe. He says down there in verse 2, he says, we know that. We know that. We know this truth to be self-evident. More than a constitution. 
that all men are created equal in the sight of God. We're all sinners saved by grace. Amen. So believe that. Believe that we're children of God and, and then to belong. You'll notice every one of those underlying words is us and we and be beloved. All these things are, are words that are inclusive. We invite everyone to come and belong with us here at Crestview. And then finally, to become something. If he says in verse 3, he says, says that every man that hath this hope purifieth himself. We're called to pu purify what God has given into our life. And that's what it's called to be. You want to know what those four things are. I didn't just come up with those words just because it was, you know, cute and it, it kind of had a rhyme to it, even though I like that sort of thing. Just like every preacher does. We like the alliteration. There's a meaning behind it because there's a closer walk with God that we're called to. We're called to a higher purpose than ourselves. And what's, what's our stumbling block in that is our own fear. Our own fear today. Fears um, the past two years. Let's just think, talk about this for just this one instance, COVID, for a minute. Physical and social and mental health. Infection, isolation, education, politics, and science, economy, unemployment, national debt, food and resources, shortages, and, shortages and health care. I mean, just, that's just a handful I was able to come up with uh, this morning. Of just one problem that we've had this past couple of years. And you know that's, the, that's enough, isn't it? That's definitely enough. I mean, we look at this one thing and we, we can grow a lot of fear out of this one thing. Have you ever eaten lamb before and you, it's, it's undercooked? Have you ever taken a bite of undercooked lamb and it starts growing in your mouth? It makes you saliva. I'm going to be gross here for a second. Because that's exactly how internally, we, when we take fear into our life, that's exactly what happens. If you've ever had undercooked lamb, you'll know what I'm saying. It just starts growing in your mouth and pretty soon you just want to spit it out. Sounds gross, right? Same thing with fear. We, we gnaw on the fear, and that's where worry comes in. Worry comes from an old English word that means to, to um, gnaw on. When a dog worries a bone. That's exactly what we face here in this, in this uh, past uh, couple of years. And, and thank you for calling me here. Thank you for not uncalling me here. Because you guys could have done that. You said, well, things have changed, Brother Aaron. And um, we, you can't really do the job that you were called to, because I, I really can't. I remember sitting in that meeting with, you know, all the, the, the select com committee that was all gathered around. And they said, they said here's, here's the list of things that we'd like for our associate pastor to do. I, got, I still got that list. I haven't done, I haven't done half those things. Praise God, God has added more things to that list than he's taken away. And so I, I praise the Lord for that. And, and I, I thank, thank you for the honor of preaching even today in the midst of all of this. But two questions we ask in the midst of all our fears is, number one, when will it end? And number two, what will be next? What's going to be next? Well, the Bible teaches us that God leads us through a problem so that we're better prepared for the next problem and that we can minister to other people because of the problems we just went through. So whatever you're going through, look at it as just that. It's a way to prepare for the things that God will bless you for in the future and be a blessing to other people in your future. So why is it that we can 
We can name our, our fears quicker than our faith. Why is it that's the case? Well, it's because of the sheer number. It's because of our, our own nature and also what we nurture in our life. Hey, if it bleeds, it leads on the paper, right? If bad news comes to the forefront, breaking news, every news channel, you can go to CNN, Fox News, ABC, NBC, CBS, you name it. it if it bleeds, it leads, right? If it's a catastrophe. You know, I'll get a message like at 3 o'clock, I'll be watching some show, and then it'll say, it'll say, is what you're eating for dinner going to kill you? Stay tuned at 5 o'clock. Well, man, I'm like, well, I can't eat now until after 5 because I need to know if I'm going to kill myself. Right? See, fear leads the story. Lead, fear leads the narrative, not only in politics, but in science and, and in healthcare and all of that. They want to make sure that you have the worst case scenario so that they don't get sued. See, it, it's all a big business to promote fear. But it's not only the number of nature and nurture, but some, of, some fears we outgrow, of, avoid, or overcome. Some fears we outgrow, avoid, or overcome. And praise the Lord for that. Uh, you know, I, I used to be scared of broccoli. Now I love broccoli. It's kind of switched hands. I love broccoli, and now my wife hates it. So, so I think that's punishment for me hating it for so long. So they cover it with cheese, though, and she's okay with it. So, so but, but understand that that's, that's what happens a lot of times. But... Some of our fears will lead us to delay and detour and will even destroy us if we're not careful. It will cause us so much emotional pain that we just want to end it all and give up. Isolation for a long enough time will just cause us to leave and walk away. I want to lighten this up a little bit. I'm going to go back to my honeymoon about, I better get this right, about seven years ago. Right? We got, do I got thumbs up? All right. All right. We went to Catalina Island. We got on a cruise. You guys know we like to go cruising. And we went to our first stop on the first cruise together. It's Catalina Island. Boy, it was beautiful. We left, we left the murky skies of March in, uh, in Southern California. It was a bad, yucky, milky, kind of gross day. And we left, and we just went just a little island over from uh, Long Beach, and there's this island called Catalina. It was a playground for the rich and famous when it started. And, and they, you could rent a golf cart. And boy, I was excited about that. You get to drive that little golf cart around. Big old boy, you got to drive a little golf cart around. And, and we were driving around these streets, and, and we're turning around these turns. And then there was this road that went up this hill, and it, and it overlooked a cliff. And a beautiful sight, just as you can see right up there, that picturesque uh, arch right there where you see the, the water down below. But I couldn't make it up that hill. A big old boy like me get, who gets dizzy in shag carpet, I'm so scared of heights. Right? I'm, I'm scared of heights. And my wife says, I'll offer to drive for you. I go, no, that's even worse because then I'm not even in control. I can't control that. I can control me going off the cliff if I'm driving, but I'm not going to let you drive. Oh, our first fight while we're married. How about that? And she saw, she saw for one of the first times in our marriage, she saw how petrified I was and 
frozen in fear because of a simple thing. Where everybody else has went up to that hill, it's not that high. I look back now and go, why didn't I do that? And then, but then at that moment, in that moment, it seemed like I was petrified and I was frozen. And I don't know about you, but have you ever been in a situation where fear has frozen you? And it's caused you to just stop? You know, we, we always say, be still and know that I'm God. Well, I was still and I didn't even claim him as God. I was just like, man, we're not going up this hill. We're turning this around. And I felt terrible. There was shame involved because here I am, this big guy, protector from my new wife, and I couldn't even go up a little stinking hill. She's finding out more about me than she didn't need to know. You know, there's some shame involved in facing your fears. Most guys, we're pretty good about hiding our fears. We, we hide it around our anger, most of us men. We get angry and ticked off about something we're really fearful. We're being totally honest. And so we have to be careful with how we mask our fears. A lot of uh, ten, ten basic fears in life are these. Crime, daily life, environment, government, judgment of others. Man-made disasters, natural disasters, personal anxieties, personal failure and technology, all these things. These are, these are some of the basic fears that we all share in life. But today I want to address the elephant in the room. I want to address our need for more faith. That the disciples prayed that give us, give us an opportunity of more faith. Teach us to pray. Give us an opportunity to have more faith. Give us the faith of a mustard seed that we may move the mountains. That we may change our life. We all want to change, amen? But we don't want to do the work that means to change. We all like the thought of change. It's like forgiveness. Forgiveness is a beautiful word until you have to do it. Change is a beautiful thing until you are called to do it. And so I want to, I want to draw your attention to Luke chapter 12 today. Today... Today, Jesus addresses our needs. Let us go from being fearful to lay hold and being fearless today. I don't know where you're at, but I know where you need to be. And that's closer to walk with the Lord. And sometimes he will lead you, yea, though, through the walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And I'll fear no evil. The Bible, said, but the Bible says clearly that one of the signs of the end times is men's hearts shall fail them for fear. So I know it's a real thing. And so we must make the choice to choose faith over fear today. It's not going to be a bumper sticker sermon. I hope that you can hang on and just, just see what I'm about to say. I want to give you three things here. Let's look at three reasons for each. Fear and also faith to be fearless today. In Luke chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Let's read this. Let's read this together. It says, in the meantime, when, when they were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they had trod uh, one upon another, he began to say unto the disciples, right there, right there, you know, there's big fear. You know what the number one fear is, public speaking and crowds? How many of you are good at great at public speaking crowds? Well, I'm not even good at that. 
And crowds, you know, I don't want to get pushed in on Black Friday. But here Jesus was doing it. He says, he says beware ye uh, of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy, for there, there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever ye have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light, and that which ye have spoken in the ear in the closet shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them which should kill the body after that have no more that they can do to you. But I will forewarn you that whom ye shall fear, fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? Just a small amount. And, and not one of them is forgotten before God. But even the hairs on your head, I made God's job easier. <laughs> Amen. But even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, for ye are more valuable than many sparrows. Praise God. And also, also I say unto you, whatsoever shall confess before men, shall, uh, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. But he that denieth me before men shall be denied before the angels of God. And whosoever shall speak a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But unto him that blasphemeth against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven. And then lastly, it says, And when they bring you into the synagogues and unto the magistrates and unto the powers, take no thought for how or what, what thing ye shall answer or what ye shall say, for the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour, what you ought to say. Let's go to God in word of prayer. Dear God, we thank you and praise you for the reading of your word. And Lord, let it be a building block for our walk for you, dear God. Let it be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path of what, what we're supposed to do and how we're to live in this new year ahead. Lord, we know that you want to work through us in 2022, Lord. We just pray that we would be... Um, Loaded with both barrels in this 22 you've given to us, Lord. And we just pray that you'll just allow us to worship you, put you first in all things, put our fears aside and our fearlessness ahead as we, we trudge this great divide of this year ahead. And we just thank you, Lord, in your son's precious and holy name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Praise the Lord. So let's get into it today as quickly as we can. That was just the intro. Now we're going to get into a sermon. All right. You ready to go? All right. Let's do it. Okay, so the first thing we see here, of course, is um, we should be fearful regarding the inward practice of inner or hidden deception. Sometimes we fool, we fool ourselves. You can fool other people, but you can't fool yourself. Oh, yes, you can. You can fool yourself. The Pharisees did that. They were whited sepulchers, much like a coffin that's all polished and beautiful. Like, uh, it's shiny and brilliant, but there's still dead people in, on the inside. There's parts of us that we wish that God would open up and make alive, but we're too busy polishing our coffin lids. It's a dangerous place to be, to be at. In, verse, in the last part of verse 1 and verse 2, it says, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For nothing is to be covered that shall be, not be revealed, neither hidden that shall not be known. God knows everything. We're not fooling God one step, uh, one step down the road. But the thing that we should be fearful about is that we are deceiving ourselves by our own pride and preoccupation in this world that we live in. We can get stuck 
in our doing it our way. Frank Sinatra did it his way and he's still dying. Amen? And we need to remember today that we walk by the beat of his drum and not our own. The inner deception that we say that we're okay. We've walked through every door of every church and we've, we've been asked the question, how are you doing today? And everyone says, oh, I'm fine. And we're not always fine. And so we know that we need to take that to the Lord. I'm not saying take it to every member of the church because you'd soon you'd be creating, you know, people like, I don't know if I want to hear that. But we need to take it before the Lord, amen? Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light, amen? He, there's not been a problem ever in history that our Lord hasn't solved. He solved your biggest one at Calvary, amen? And what, what business do you have holding on to the little ones along the way? The inward practice of hidden deception is what fills our hearts and our minds. It's the one thing that we, we will stop us dead in our tracks from doing anything else if we are deceived in our own selves, in our own stinking thinking. So number two, the downward path of holy defamation. Defamation, that's the defamation of character. You've all heard that phrase, defamation of character. When someone maligns you or belittles you. The holy defamation is the 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 one thing that draws you to God and draws you to a deeper life for Christ is the Holy Spirit. And if we shun the Holy Spirit, it is we are blaspheming God. We are attributing the, the, the Spirit of God to, like Ebenezer Scrooge, he just said, you know what, it must have been something I ate that made me feel this way. We, we disassociate the pulling and the drawing, the wooing of God as being something that is man-made, that I feel shame because brother, sister, so-and-so made me feel that way. Or I've got hurt feelings, and so I'm just going to um, stay away, and uh, I'm just going to walk away from the things of God. When God is drawing your heart through the reading of his word and the power of his Holy Spirit, we are convicted and convinced, along with being comforted by God, he says, and whatsoever you speak a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven you. God forgives you for, for insulting his Son. You can say a lot of things about Jesus, but the wooing power of the Holy Spirit, we have no business speaking against. He just comes to minister to our hearts. These are things we should be fearful over. We talk about all the fears just of COVID today, and these do not surmount to the things that God says to fear. This is Jesus speaking. This is the red letter edition of your Bible. The red blood, red color of Jesus speaking to our hearts. The downward path of this holy defaming of the Holy Spirit. He wants to woo you. The Spirit doesn't always strive with man. And boy, you better wonder, you better be careful when the Spirit doesn't speak to your heart anymore. The most dangerous position in, in all of Christianity is when God quits speaking to your heart. It's like being a fisherman out in the water and then the wind stops. Where are you going? What can you do? Where's your hope? The unseen force of the wind that pulls the boat to and fro and, and leads is stopped. Do you see how fearful that is? Some people just say, well, it's just still small voice. and God will always be there. He always understands. How do you know God always understands? How do you know when it's enough? How do you know when it's the end of God's long suffering? We don't know. 
So we must take now as an opportunity. Now is the accepted time. Now is a day of salvation. God wants the now to be your present. He's given as a gift to your heart. See, if you wait, you'll have a harder heart to ask for forgiveness with. Amen? That heart gets a little harder because you hold on to that pew a little tighter. It becomes a little easier not to give your heart over the things of God. See how fearful this is? It's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of a living God. Amen. So, uh, you know, th this first one is that, is that hollow desires of, or I'm sorry, the first thing is the hidden deception that we make inside ourselves and the holy defamation that we accuse God of just being like any other feeling we have when we can whisk it away. Dangerous place to live in. The third orange cone that shines itself brightly on the roadway of our life to lead us away from fear is the hollow desires that we have. He says this in verse 15. He said unto them, take heed and beware of covetousness, that hollow desire, for a man's life consisted not of the abundance of the things he possesses. The man who dies with the most toys still dies. Amen? He still dies. He's not going anywhere. You know, people get, you know, Indians would be buried with a horse. Sad for the horse, right? Rich people would be buried with their wealth. I've heard people being buried behind their Cadillac, you know, their car. You hear about the guy who, was, who said, you know what, uh, I'm a millionaire and I want you to give, uh, uh, I'm going to give each one of you guys, each one of my friends a million bucks, you know, and you've probably heard this. I want you to drop it in my coffin when I die. First guy, he writes a check and throws it in and says, okay, there you go. Million dollars. He kept it, right? All right. Anyway, that was the grenade one. You probably heard Brother Chapel say that a billion times. So I was abridging it because of time. All right. So don't be fearful about the time that we're in. This hollow desire to get out of here real quick, you know, just get over that, okay? We're gonna get it, we're gonna get through this as quickly as we can. Understand this that he has said, take heed and beware of covetousness. The inert desire, the unauthorized desire of getting things for yourself, that hollow desire of just coveting the things. God wants you to have everything richly to enjoy, amen? He wants you to have nice things. He pulled, he pulled you know, the, he realized when he was pulling his disciples that he was, um, he was getting them from a place of richness, not a place of poor, poverty. You know, that's what he's called us to do. He's called us to, to go to our mountain and say, as, as Jabez, give me this mountain. You know, we to ask our desires before the Lord. Lay your desires before God. But don't let them be hollow. Don't let your, be, your desires be the things away from God. You know, that's a mistake that a lot of times we make as parents. Get all you can and can all you get. You know, the best thing you can do, son, is to get a job and love your job and, you know, and then retire from your job. The best thing you can do is to give your life over to Christ. That should be your number one desire. We're going to go back to our message from last week. The hub of your heart is, the, is what the desire is of your heart. Where does your desire lead you? Where is the determination 
Where's the direction of your life and the devotion of your life go to? It goes back to the passion that Jesus had on the cross for you. He says, not my will, Lord, not my will, God, but thy will be done. And that's what his direction for us is today. And if you've lost, if you've lost sight of that, it's a very fearful thing. See, we talk about fear and we talk about, you know, scary stuff. I like, I like wintertime. All the scary movies come out. You can have your Hallmark movies. You go right ahead. I like me a good scary movie. But every scary movie works like this. Oh, guys out to kill us. Let's all separate. Right? Let's, let's all separate. And so that drags the movie on for the hour and a half, right? Is to, is to give us the time for the, this guy to top, 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 and top, top, top over here, and top, top over there, you know. These guys are dumb, you know. They're hiding behind the chainsaws, you know, and all that. They're hiding, and they're not taking the car out of there. They're doing everything but that, you know. And see, we look at the scary times in our life, and some of us get excited over that. My wife does not want anything to do with the scary movie. But life's scary enough. And I agree. Life is scary. Life's scary when you find out that you're going to have surprise, you're going to have a baby. Right? Paulina? She didn't plan that. But how many of you know that some of your best blessings come out of your biggest surprises? Amen? Hayden, you're a surprise kid. Surprise! One of my best blessings came out of surprise. I didn't know what was going to happen. That's like you're, you're drowning, and then someone hands you an anvil, you know. It's like, okay, I'm going to deal with this now. See, fear comes at us in different ways, but I'm telling you, the, the biggest fears are the deception, defamation, and desires of our own heart. The Lord is clear in this. So now, how do we get victory? How do we get to a fearless life instead of a fearful one? Number one, we should be fearless regarding the outward harm of superficial wounds. There's, there's a lot of things in our life that are hitting and chipping away at us. But like, like Michelangelo, he, he was asked, what do you see in this big piece of marble? I see a statue. I see a work of art dying to get out. I think of that with my own life. God looks at my life and he has a chisel and a hammer and he's just, oh, oh, uh, He's chipping away. And I need to just say, God, just lift my arm and say, go right ahead. But I fight him every step of the way. That's not a fearful life. That, that, that is a fearful life. God, what are you going to do? And we hide and we wince and we hold back. And we isolate. Ooh, that sermon hurt me too much. I can't, I'm not going back. That's the way it's going to be. Brother BJ, I, I was offended by that sermon. You're trying to tell me I don't have any desire or determination? Or no, that's where that Holy Spirit comes in. Brother BJ didn't say any of that last week. He didn't point any fingers. He's too nice. But you know what? My, my God isn't that nice. He invades our heart. He convicts us and compels us and contours us into a place 
where his wounds are more, are more hitting and more reliable. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, and he says, I'm a friend closer than any brother, amen? And that's where my God steps in. I can worry about all the COVID all day long. There's been people who've been vaccinated, boosted, boosted on their boosted, right? And they're still getting the COVID, right? They're still getting sick. There's no reliability on any science, any politicians, any place in this world other than the hands of an almighty God. That's all where we can rely our strength from. So don't tell me you're leaning on the, you're leaning and you're worried about everything else. Yes, protect yourself. Yes, be cautious. Yes, be careful. But do not tell me that you can, you can just, just be per, totally protected from everything because it will never happen. It will never happen. You cannot protect yourself from life because life has a word if right in the middle of it. And it's so unpredictable. You know what goals are? Goals, I, I look, I just think, you know, of a goal. Just take just an acronym, if you will. An acronym, an acronym is God's godly obedience aiding long-term success. We're not, gonna, we're not getting it the first time, but if we're just obedient to God, he will give long-term success. And we're not looking at setting resolutions. We're not looking at anything. We're just looking at just being a follower of God. Just be a follower of him. The outward harm of these superficial wounds, these things may attack our bodies, but, but our Lord, he protects our heart. Worry about the one who can take, uh, take body and soul and cast it to hell. That's where I trust. See, the difference between godly fear and man's fear, man's fear makes you run away from those things, where godly fear makes you run towards him. Because he's the fear that ends all fears. So this outward harm, superficial wounds, leads to this, the inward hope of the soul's worth. Because once we stop worrying about every little thing that comes along, this variant, that variant, this, this sickness, that sickness, that cancer, that, you know, we're, we're called to go to the doctor. We feel a lump, we better go to the doctor. We feel something, we better take care of it. But if you're worried about everything, I'll tell you, worry will kill you too. It'll kill you. But it leads to this. It leads to the worth of the soul. How much is your soul worth? It was worth dying for, amen? It was worth the Lord coming, coming for in verse, in verse 6 and 7. Are you not worth more than a bunch of birds? You know what he's saying? Hey, bird brain. Hello, McFly. Right? You're worth more than a bunch of birds. I sell them for just a little bit, but I'll never sell you out, child of God. You're worth everything to me. I gave you my son. I died for you. The very hairs of my head are numbered. I still got hair. I still got hair. Brother Greg, you still got hair too. Amen. And he knows how little I have, how limited I am, and how blessed some other people are. It's okay. I'm blessed in other ways. Amen. I look at Brother Alverson over there. He's got that full head of wavy hair, and he's got it set the rest of his life. You know, I'm looking older just because I don't got hair on my head, and that's fine. You know, God, you know, the old saying is, right? You know, you know, it can only make so many perfect heads. The rest of you had to cover with hair, right? So, yeah. All right. 
how much is my soul worth? It was worth dying for. And then finally, the upward help of spirit-led words. I've heard this all my life. Well, I'm not good at speaking. Moses tried that one, didn't he? He says, I, 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 I stutter. And I grew up with a big stuttering problem, this guy right here. I was petrified until second grade that I, I would let that slip and that everybody would find out how much I stuttered and how much I stammered in my voice. And I would just, it would, it would just paralyze me thinking they're going to find out that I'm going to be picked on. And it made it worse. If you know anything about your inadequacies, that, that when you focus on them and focus on them, it makes it worse. We got to go back to that old song. We got to accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative. God wants, God is using your negatives as a positive. The other day, I was at a preacher's meeting, and the guy who, young preacher, just surrendered to preach, big guy like me, and he got up and he said, said that, that I was called to preach the gospel. My heart broke for that guy because I know he's going to have challenges. But if he would keep, just keep God close, amen, God could use that as a great tool and witness. You know, God loves to use the weakness to be a witness, amen. Some of you got weaknesses that are glaringly obvious and that you don't even admit to. I mean, why not? If there's going to be, it, it's better than having a lynch mob coming at your weakness. Just, just get in front of it and have a parade. Amen? Right. You're broken. Get over it. You're broken, beautifully broken for God. No matter what I do, no matter what weight loss I have, I'm still not walking on the beach with no shirt on. I'm beautifully broken. I'm lathering up my head and keeping the shirt on. And that's okay. God still loves me. Amen. I I don't know how else to I don't know how else to put it. But understand this, a little faith will bring your soul to heaven, but great faith will bring heaven to your soul. You know that? It's true. Not only that, most have faith backwards. Most have their faith backwards, and they, they do this. They believe it's holding on to God when it's really God holding on to you. Isn't that true? Your faith isn't defined by how well you hold on to God. I hold on to God so tight. Did everybody see how well? Look at my hand. Everybody see my hand? Right? Look. I got my hand in the hand of the Lord. Put your hand in the hand of the man. No. He holds my hand. Amen? I'm not holding him. He's holding me. If it were based on me, I'd let go. I would have let go a million times over. But praise God, he holds on to me. And then the, the father holds on to me and the son holds on to his hand. Holding on to my hand. Praise God. So, I'm going to ask you this. The last slide here. Is your God smart enough to know? where you're at, what your fears are, what your flaws are? Is he loving enough to care? Is he strong enough to do something about it? 
while fear wrestles with the unknown, the, the uncontrollable, we need to rest in who knows us better than we know ourselves. See, that's where fear turns into faith. It's not a bumper sticker where we can just slap it on our car. All right, we're going to hand out all bumper stickers for all your cars now. And now after service, put them on your car. And everything will be hunky-dory and peachy keen, the bee's knees. Everything will be better. No, you still got a Monday morning to get to. Amen? And that Monday morning is still filled with COVID. That, that Tuesday morning is still filled with you not wanting to go to work. That, that Wednesday is still that hump day that you have a hard time getting over. See, the trouble with every day is it happens every day. Amen? It happens every day. No matter how you feel, that alarm still goes off. And let me, let me just say this. God is mercy is still there new every morning. Amen. As we prepare a song and get ready to sing, I don't know where your heart is, but I know where it needs to be. Go back to beholding and believing and becoming the things that God has for you. Realize that, that you're not alone. That everybody in this room is broken. But we're beautifully broken to be a mosaic of God's love and God's grace. I'm broken different than you are. And that's okay. And I got some brokenness in me that I hid so deeply that if you knew about it, you'd say, you don't have any business preaching in front of us. <laughs> Amen. But that's okay. God does. And he's okay with giving me the millionth chance. Because that's how my God works. His grace says, I'll love you anyway. Do you have a God that loves you anyway? Is he strong enough to know? Loving enough to care? Smart enough to know, loving enough to care, and strong enough to do something about it? That's my God. He's a commander I can trust of a war that's already been won. Amen? It's time you surrender all. Amen? Surrender all. That's the hardest song in the book to sing is I Surrender All.